listening to another episode of Off Menu, the Canadian podcast about food and the people who make it. I'm your host, Phil Wilson. When I imagine moonshine, my first vision is of the Duke boys speeding down a backcountry road with Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane in hot pursuit. The town of Vegreville may not have a boss hog, but thanks to the AGLC's 2013 elimination of minimum production limits for craft brewers and distillers, they do have a thriving moonshine business, nice and legal. Red Cup Distillery is making old-fashioned wheat shine, the likes of which, according to owner Robert DeGroote, will bring a tear to the eye of old-timers nostalgic for the homebrew that got them through some tough times. So pour yourself a couple fingers of homebrew and listen in as I chat with Robert about this most interesting addition to my liquor cabinet. So first question for you, how does a university-educated opera singer find himself in the moonshine business? I worked in the bank for years. I had my own businesses for years. But you start smelling a turd. <laughs> and you don't think that what you did at the bank was necessarily proper. Um, there's a lot of good people in the bank, but I just it didn't agree with me. Uh, in business, the fighting was ridiculous. Uh, if you ever see me, I'm not good enough looking to be a stripper. So I thought I'd better sell liquor. Wait, 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 wait. There might be a niche market for that. I don't yeah, know. The, the CNIB is not, not looking right now. And what was priceless is um, my wife and I had the misfortune to be short on funds. And about seven years ago, she said, Rob, our mortgages are paid, the bills are paid, but we only have 200 bucks for groceries for the next six weeks. And I was raised frugal by a bunch of cheap Dutch farmers. Um, I was eating center aisles, middle of Loblaws, prepackaged foods, going to Earl's, getting extremely fat. I think the doctor called it morbidly obese at one point in time. Um, But then I started eating like my grandparents and my dad, and I started shedding weight, just it was falling off. But the connection that we have with our food is almost gone. Uh, There's some wonderful chefs that are absolutely crazy making brilliant food. But 50 years ago, it was, necessity. it was a necessity to make your own food. Right. That was normal. And that's where it started, was doing it that way. Okay. And then we were started to being asked to go to fancy events and bring our own homemade food and our booze. So when we only had this 200 bucks, we still were being asked to be you know, nice to people. And so my wife would make homemade macaroni and cheese dinner with tomatoes, and I'd bring some homebrew. Well, slowly, these people, some which were very wealthy, are like, can you bring some more homebrew? And slowly, that became the the interest. Then and eventually, I, that rolled into, uh, let's start making moonshine. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, I was really good at sales. Um, um, being involved in the oil and gas and custom equipment at the time, just kind of get this waft of things might not be pretty. So we thought, well, things things are going to go to hell. Let's start a business. And mm-hmm. by the way, moonshine's probably a safe bet. So and you know what? When times are bad, you know what people want still? Moonshine. Alcohol. And we have a the, that's been the humbling thing of this whole thing, the reaction from people. Everybody's got a grandpa who made moonshine or an uncle or a cousin. And the prairies and farmers have been so rich in upholding the tradition. Um, all the way back to other tough times, like Prohibition era from here, we... A lot of farmers barely survived because of moonshine. Uh, the Paladin Triangle, which was the Dust Bowl, 
cops allowed you to sell moonshine because that was your only source of revenue. Uh, in the city, it was different, but we all have a connection to to moonshine. It was always happy times. So even though we were broke, a farmer in 1970 in Alberta, Saskatchewan, wasn't having a good time, but maybe they were having a richer life with homebrew, the homemade pig, and all hanging out in the backyard. I, and that's that's where it's gone, and that's how moonshine came about, and fortunately has become. Okay. So let's just keep it simple here. And what exactly is moonshine? Because I notice you call yours wheat shine as opposed to moonshine. And I'm wondering if there's a difference there. We pay taxes. Okay. That, <laughs> it's moonshine if it's... That's all that it is. Okay. And, and nobody's being arrested for making moonshine. Um, it is illegal to do because of the non-payment of taxes on liquor. Um, the British, in their wisdom in the 16 or 1500s, decided the first tax they were going to do was a whiskey tax. Uh, they went to Ireland, of course, because those, you know, redheads were causing problems. <laughs> and they made it illegal to have a still smaller than 500 gallons. Um, Britain went around the Commonwealth and implemented this. Uh, obviously, a bunch of people ran to the U.S. from Ireland and Scotland. Um, so on the prairies from here pretty well to Winnipeg, it would have been wheat or Russian rye at the time. Uh, because that's all we could grow. And when you make moonshine, you use the cheapest ingredient that's nearby. So... We sprout our own on site, 100% malted, and that's the same a dairy farmer would do. You make a space on the floor, you sprout it, um, then you got to cook it at some certain temperatures, and you run it through the still. Ours is the only legally made, Canadian-made copper pot still. That's why it's wheat shine, is it's what we made. We'll make lots of it and sell it around the world. Um, the flavor is, you've had it. I, I still can't describe it. And I make yeah, it. I, 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 every time I give some to someone, I ask them, what do you think it tastes like? Because it's hard to describe because I haven't tasted anything quite like it before. No, it's it's warm. I would say it's warm well, and for sweet. Sure. It's, and it's fruity. Remarkably smooth for something 50% alcohol. Yeah. Uh, a farmer would say that it tastes like chewing wheat. when, mm -hmm. But they have a nostalgic when they used to uh, chew it to find the moisture content of the wheat. Uh, instead of driving to town, get the test at the seed plant and go back. Um, to anybody who's not used to eating cow feed or wheat off the stock, it is a most unique taste, and I've never had anything like it in any liquor store in any country. Mm -hmm. It is it is definitely a unique Alberta product. To old people born and raised in the recession or in the dirty 30s, they get emotional to it. It's to them, it's moonshine. Well, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we actually, as judges for the Alberta Booster event, decided we wanted to fund this one because it had a, an aspect that was very, very unique. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm in the food community. I, I know that craft distilling is becoming a bigger thing all the time, and I had never heard of anyone making moonshine. So I thought that was pretty cool. Is there a lot of legal hoops to jump through when you're making moonshine? I know it's got that reputation of being, you know, outlaws and all that it's, kind of stuff. I, I would say... Even though I had additional obstacles of building the first legally made Canadian still, when I was given the approval to build my still, the man at AGLC was wonderful. Um, but it would be similar to asking for your daughter in marriage where it was a three-hour meeting. But to him, it was his pride and joy. He turns out he's Ukrainian from Boyle, and his family history way back when uh, included moonshine, probably in the Prohibition era before... Um, before he obviously got a job with the AGLC, but um, to him it was important that we shared the story. So it's like, all right, I got, I got to build my still. The story, the story, and the joint history of everybody is the most hum humbling part of making this moonshine. Uh, I've had phone calls from Chicago from a 68-year-old man. His granddad said to buy 
as much as you can because it's the best liquor they had during Prohibition. Hmm. Um, Al Capone was in Mundare 1928. I've seen a picture. The family's very upstanding. They don't want to share it. Um, <laughs> however, that story's common right from basically Mundare to Winnipeg. And because the Teamsters and Al Capone had a very positive relationship, um, he would collect moonshine from every little town going back. Um, Chicago had a taste of our own liquor. They have the second largest Ukrainian population in North America. We have the third. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm out, you know, phone my cousin Phil up in Edmonton. He may probably has homebrew or knows. <laughs> so throughout this process, you probably became a bit of a historian on on moonshine in Alberta. Yes. Kind of thing, hey? Yeah. And not, not as embarrassed about having such frugal roots. I, I, I think we were resourceful, innovative. Um, we could make something out of nothing. And even right now, we could use a heck of a lot more than that, where people can make something out of nothing. And my wife says she feels like uh, she can spin gold out of straw, and and that would be quite similar. So is there different flavors of moonshine? Because I've I've seen in shows before, they talk about apple pie and all these other ones. Um, How do you go about making that? Is that something in your future that you're going to do as well? We're staying within the tradition of the prairies. Quite often, flavors were made to disguise crappy liquor or illegal liquor. During Prohibition was a lot of crappy liquor uh, as well, just because of how it was made. Even our taste buds now haven't quite recovered. The big manufacturers kept producing such volume that, you know, they want to make fuel to sell as E85 and then some as liquor. We're going to stick with 100% wheat because of the unique flavor. We are going to stick with the rye. If we do another flavor, it might be a Saskatoon berry, but it would be in-house pretty well. Uh, we have so much demand for the wheat that I'm having to build a plant just to satisfy that demand at the AGLC. Okay. So um, since we're talking about uh, your demand and how much demand you've got and everything, how much are you producing at this point? We're doing about 150 bottles a week, but because we're doing everything from scratch and we only bring in grain, that's quite a bit. Um, people much smarter than me have said we're very successful on the pilot scale. Now we're going to go basically from a 250-gallon still to at least 10 times that, if not 20. Wow. And you've had quite a bit of cooperation from regulatory authorities, uh, I understand. I don't think I could make moonshine in any other town but Beggarville. <laughs> it's, um, homebrew is very common on the prairie, so they're not worried about something blowing up. And everybody around there you know, got a story from their past, right, that maybe they didn't want to share before, but now that you're doing it, they're going to come yeah. out of the woodwork, right? And it's pretty amazing who comes to the door. <laughs> so. so what's the time frame to ramp things up? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, demand's going to be high. It's going to be difficult for me to get bottles when I want them, and that's going to piss me off. Uh, the, the builder, I just met with him this morning. We want to have it done by snowfall. Um, obviously, a lot of people are going to come out. There's Travel Alberta has been wonderful. Culinary Alberta. We're going to supply some more restaurants. Um, come on out for a drive to Vegerville and see the egg. We have some great parties this year, uh, being Vegfest, Pasanka Days, and the agricultural one. Um, and just come on out and, and see us. We didn't expect the demand to be as strong because it is a new product. Mm-hmm. So we are selling out just in Vegerville. Uh, we've had people drive from Kamloops to pick up six bottles. We had a corporate jet line from Toronto flying through to Fort McMurray. When that kind of stuff starts happening, you get a little nervous. Um, We sold out our last batch in less than three days. 
what is the best way to drink moonshine for those of us who are not familiar with it? Just drinking it straight up or, or what, what else can you do with it? If it's our moon, our, our shine is, is not sugar shine. It's warmer than many moonshines that have been out there. Ours is more like a sipping scotch or a sipping whiskey that's never been aged. We don't have, I say we don't have anything to hide. Uh, we don't filter it because there's nothing to remove. It, it literally is not quite organic, but it's clean like Grandpa would have made on the farm um, for himself. Maybe the neighbors, he'd give some other brew to. Um, I drink mine warm, room temperature. My wife likes hers warm or as a Manhattan, which is two ounces of moonshine. We only put a half ounce of vermouth so that it would look like a legally aged whiskey. <laughs> and then we do one shake of bitters just... Yeah, I'm picturing, you know, it's kind of whiskey-like, right? So I'm picturing substituting it for whiskey in basically any cocktail. At least that's yeah. what I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you can practice a little bit with, with your friends. So. Is that your favorite ways to just have it straight, though? I I've, I only drink at room temperature and warm. Yeah. But I'm looking for quality of every batch being the, the nuances. But I also am not allowed to have sugar. Moonshine has no carbs and no sugar, and I can't have sugar. I can, But I can drink a Manhattan. So I'm guessing since you've started this whole journey of opening the distillery and going through all the, the hoops that you have to do and meeting all these people and hearing all these stories, I'm imagining that you probably have one or two uh, favorite stories from yeah. what's happened to you so far. Um, my favorite uh, really short story is Sunday morning at 8, 10, one, uh, about a month ago, I got a phone call from a wonderful lady. Um, she was out of moonshine. And after church, if she could drop by and pick up a bottle of moonshine. Uh, that's where you, you know you have it nailed right on the head when when uh, and and she'd been in the Vegerville area her whole life so obviously had had some sense of homebrew. Um, the other one is actually and even a pitch. This is a pitch for Craig's Craig's department store in Vermilion, wonderful town, and it's an old-fashioned Canadian um, department store. But uh, a gentleman in there said, "Can you share the story from my mother?" The local business community said, okay, we're having a party, which would last a few days in those days because you were coming a quite a long trip in. Um, please make some moonshine and bring it in. And in the 1920s, early 30s, they made $800 in those days dollars. Um, you couldn't go back and do another batch. It was a one-time only deal. Um, they had enough money to take care of the kids, get the farm going, start developing a family life. Of course, the police officers from the city found out and went out on horseback or however they did it in the 1920s and uh, went and saw the farm, of course, could not find the still and, and went away. And it was, it was a source of social service in those days. Like homebrew was at every Ukrainian wedding, Jewish bar mitzvah. Um, it didn't matter. It was always there. But to see it being used as a source of... of um, Social good is also kind of ironic, mm -hmm. and that's that's been the mo my my favorite story yet. All right, so the popcorn round is basically a series of somewhat rapid fire questions. Yep, and we're gonna try and get a little bit of more information out of you. You ready? Sure. How closely does your day to day routine resemble an episode of The Dukes of Hazard? Uncle Jesse's, yeah. <laughs> That's what I picture every time I think about moonshine. I, go, I, I learned this from Revenue Canada, which was interesting. Um, I say it's our grains, our cultures, 
our vast open spaces, spaces and our lack of mounties allow the tradition to continue. That's what I told you. And, and it's up here, we're very much, it was part of our life. We're down there. They were getting phone calls every day from the minister after church on Sunday saying, boss, you got to go get the Dukes because I think Jesse is running it during the church service. <laughs> we're up here. It was just like everybody, let's go have some homebrew over at Phil's house. And so culturally, it was very different that we, homebrew was more part of our history and we didn't have Boss Hogg and Roscoe P. Coltrane. Average number of times a day you say to yourself, I've got to stop drinking so much of this stuff. No, zero. Zero. <laughs> For some reason, I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. You have to be careful, though, because I do work with my wife. So it's, <laughs> that's a natural inhibitor. Do you have a phobia? Probably. I haven't found it yet. Haven't found it yet. That's a good, good space to be in. Favorite pizza topping? Not a lot of pizza. Oh, that's right. It'd be bacon, though. Yes, good I'll, answer. I'll eat bacon without the pizza dough. There you go. Just hold the pizza, right? Hold Inside the pizza. of bacon, hold the pizza. Uh, the fact you think most people would be most surprised to learn about you? I sang opera. Professionally? Nah, it's kind of like triple B hockey versus... Okay. Or maybe WHL versus... I, I sang in university in that. Well, here's something for when you get the, the new still and you start producing tons and tons of bottles. Have you ever considered pulling a front tooth to enhance moonshine marketing? I'll grow my beard more. Just grow it more. I'll just grow my beard more. You got a Duck Dynasty thing going there. Yeah. If you were to eavesdrop on a conversation about you, what would you hope to hear people say? I've actually never thought of that. That's a tough I, question. That's why I ask it. I used to be so scared what people thought about me, and then I realized nobody ever really likes you. <laughs> Except I've never met a jerk in while I've been making moonshine. Bringing liquor together, well, it's always fun. And even if you're with your enemy within two shots, you can tolerate them for at least watching the hockey game. <laughs> and and that's, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm not in a bad place. Where was your favorite vacation? Um, recently, I went with my sister last August to a place called Heather Mountain Lodge. Good news was my cell phone didn't work there. <laughs> and I hadn't seen my sister in 12 or 13 years. Uh, that would be my favorite. The other one was probably just the other day, sitting in my living room, my underwear, mm. um, just having a day where you just, we even went out to the pig, we went and butchered our own pig a week ago Friday. That would be another nice holiday. And the wife and I butchered a 300-pound organic, free, or basically a free-range pig, no chemicals. Mm. That was a fun day off. What's the meal you cook most often at home? Pork. Just because I bought a 300-pound pig and I got to <laughs> eat it. <laughs> All right, here's the final one. The secret to a happy life is? Keeping your wife happy. I got lucky on that one. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Um, everybody can check out Red Cup Distillery on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm going to put links on the, yep. in the show notes on my website, so they'll find you there. And they can track you down and find some shine from you. The, and and the, the restaurant closest to us that has it is... Uh, a new one, Farm to Fork. Farm to Fork and Sure Park, have right? It, they have a bunch, and i got to keep them happy. But otherwise, just text and come on out, and uh, I should be up and going with the plant by Christmas. Thanks. So enough, enough moonshine for everyone at Christmas. Yes. All right. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Phil. In case that interview gave you any ideas about firing up a homemade still in the basement, next to that box of 80s MTV videos you're inexplicably hanging on to, I hate to burst your bubble, but you still need a federal excise license to distill, and those can't be obtained for personal use or for a residential address, so you're out of luck. <laughs>
Red Cup's deliciously unique wheat shine will set you back only $30 per 750ml bottle. So who needs all that hassle anyway? If you like this episode, do me a big favor and either tell a friend about it or give it a rating on the iTunes store. I've been your host, Phil Wilson. Thanks again to today's guest, Robert DeGroote of Red Cup Distillery. And remember, life's too short to eat shitty food. Thank you.